3: to today's broadcast. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, I do indeed hope you're having a fantastic day with all of the usual caveats, of course. Uh, and what are we doing today? We got a lot of stuff. Well, first of all, in case you were not aware, today does happen to be Down Syndrome Day. So if you are someone who has been blessed to have one of these angels in your life. Uh, I hope you're taking the time to appreciate it. And uh, you know, make other people aware that uh, it's not like what the left will tell you. There's a lot of leftists out there that are going to try and convince you. And I know this because we've covered stories like Iceland, for example, where they seem to think that it's a good idea to – Almost eliminate Down syndrome by aborting children that they've detected will be born with it. That's not really a good thing. All right, so again, leftists, beware. Understand, however, when I talk about a leftist, I'm talking about people who are firmly involved in the ideology. If you're someone who's merely been brainwashed, then you are part of the problem, but you're not the enemy. You're somebody that I'm trying to reach out to. You're somebody I'm trying to bring back. Let me help to save you from the insanity that is the left. These people are dangerous. They want to destroy the Constitution. They want to destroy liberty. They want to destroy freedom, and they want to do these things because, well, those ideas, those notions, those quaint little concepts… They get in the way of their agenda, and unfortunately, they're using you to help them. So if you're just someone who normally votes Democrat, if you're just somebody who thinks of yourself as progressive, and you're falling into all of the hoobily goobly gobbly whatsy then spend a little time listening to, I don't know, somebody like Don Smith. Annie Ubellis, Kel Fritzy, spend a little time listening to Mark Levin, spend a little time listening to people who will be able to inform you, bring you actual facts. We'll inject plenty of opinion, but we're honest about when we're injecting opinion. And we're also very clear about when we interject facts. Uh, speaking of facts, I uh, had some requests to talk about this research thing that came out on uh, – well, I think it was released on Monday, and then the New York Times wrote a piece yesterday where they were basically claiming that uh, the New York New York Times were claiming that this new study shows that racism is still severely, severely punishing black Boys, although you know I haven't had a chance to finish going through all of it, um, I have started reading it because once I got started, I found it very interesting. So I will probably come back to this topic on Sunday if I don't get enough crazy stuff that happened in between. So listen in. Uh, we'll talk about when I've had a chance to go through it. But what I've read so far, I have to tell you, I think actually makes a pretty strong case that racism is not the actual issue. You just have to learn to read it, and you certainly have to go further than what the headlines at the New York Times want you to buy into. So uh, if you have heard about that, I know some other hosts were probably talking about it today. Uh, It's been a topic. I think it should be a major topic over the course of the next several weeks. It's something we should not let go. We as conservatives, we as people who want what's best for all Americans really should hang on to this and look at what it is. Now, I'm going to finish reading it before I get too far into the content. I may even do a bonus broadcast on this after I've had a chance to finish it. Uh, I just have not had that opportunity. Uh, in the meanwhile, as a follow-up to a story we talked about here just recently, wanted to do uh, let you guys know, remember the student who was thrown out of the Christian theology class for – insinuating that biologists may not necessarily concur with the idea that states there's more than two genders. Well, you know, we talked about it. He got kicked out of the class. Well, guess what? As of Monday of this week, the university announced that it would in fact allow the student back into the class. Seems at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, that seems odd, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, uh, the president there, Michael Driscoll, permitted student like Engel to reenter the course and indefinitely suspended the student's academic integrity board hearing. School, of uh, course, had kicked Engel out of the Christian theology course after the student asserted the existence of only two genders. Excuse me. Back to this now. All right, so the point is the university took a lot of pressure, took a lot of hits, and decided that what was best for the university was to get this student back in class, especially given the nature of the class, especially given the fact that this class is nothing to – You know, it's nothing to be messed with. You're talking about Christianity here, right? It's supposed to be a theological class. So first of all, I would ask the question how a third-wave feminist who is so far down the rabbit hole of leftist idealism manages to get to be the person teaching Christian theology. It makes me question whether or not the university is actually dedicated to the course or if they're trying to paint Christianity in the worst possible way. I don't know. I haven't been in the class. I can't say. But it raises a question mark, doesn't it? Well, the students like Ingle. Well done, sir. You fought the, the law, and in this case, you won. Uh, of course, by the law, I'm referring to the uh, professor. Now, I certainly hope that things are a bit fairer moving forward in the classroom. It, it certainly should be. I would imagine. All right, uh, so uh, there's the follow-up there, and again, uh, I will be making an effort uh, to get a little further into that groundbreaking research, uh, the study involving racism in America. Anytime I see something about racism in America that's been actually academically studied, I really like to sink my teeth into it and, uh, you know, try to to dissect it and uh, find out exactly. Where they are going with it because if it's been genuinely done in an academic fashion, I think it's safe to say that on those occasions that you can count on the information either being skewed or they're having to make some admissions that folks on the left typically don't want to make. All right. With that being said, let's get on to some of the other main stories that I definitely wanted to touch on today. Uh, We're going to go ahead and start out with the main topic. I know they say that makes for bad planning. It's supposed to get you on the hook. But I'm not sure how many of you folks are really on the hook to learn about secret science and the EPA, which is part of why I led in the show description with the story. You know, I ordinarily put in the show description the order I plan on going generally. So for those of you who read the show description before joining me today or for those of you who are listening in the archives, listening after the fact, well, I have to admit that you can get a pretty good idea normally of where I'm going to go with things. So Scott Pruitt, right? A lot of conservatives cheered at the nomination and then confirmation of Scott Pruitt as the new head of the EPA under the Donald Trump presidential administration. A lot of leftists lost their tiny little minds. And, you know, they were right to do so because this is a guy who is going to set back the leftist agenda. He's going to work on trying to make the EPA actually something closer akin to what its initial intent was, which is to provide some level of protection to the environment, uh, have some guidelines and some rules so that businesses are Individuals who are behaving in some fashion that could be considered toxic to the environment will not be allowed to just unfetteredly destroy our economy. Here's one of the greatest myths of all time. All right, We still hear it today. A lot of folks have been trying to make this point, but you still hear it said. The leftists want to convince you of this. There's a lot of people buy into it. Conservatives, especially Southern conservatives, I'll go you that bunch right up because Southern conservatives have a strong tie to hunting. Anybody, however, who has a strong tie to hunting believes in conservation. You know, there is a right way and a wrong way to go about partaking from the land. You know, hunting is a humane act in several instances, which is where the tree huggers who don't understand ecology really kind of get things wrong. But conservatives do believe in being a good caretaker for the environment. It's just that we do not believe that the environment is quite as fragile as a lot of leftists would have you believe. Your college professor who's trying to convince you to buy their book about ecology, your – Local politician who's trying to garner your vote by scaring you about uh, drinking water in the state of California, these people have a vested interest in convincing you that things are far more dire than they are. But in truth, nature has a ton of methods built right in, almost as if by intelligent design, a ton of ways that they can handle Various forms of, well, what we've been told are cladoclysms. Oh, no, there's oil leaking in the ocean. Mm, would you believe me if I told you that there is almost always oil leaking into the ocean? There's methane gas being released into the ocean. Mm, again, would you believe me if I told you there's almost always methane gas pockets being released into the ocean at some point or another? Now, don't get me wrong. These things do not give us a green light to just go do whatever. You know, we should take any and all reasonable precautions and any and all reasonable actions to protect the earth we're living in. It is our home, and we should care about that. We should. And here's that dirty little lie all you folks on the left keep getting told. Most of us actually do. Quick shout out to Alaska Child of God who has joined us in the chat room. Hey, COG, good to see you. So we've got the, the nasty little myth out of the way, and now for the truth. And the truth is the EPA for a long time now has been overstepping its bounds. The EPA has been acting as if it has legislative power. As if the regulations at right has the full force of the law without the need of legislation being passed. It's acting as if it itself is a separate branch of government. Now, for a long time, folks have been trying to make the case that the bureaucracy is a fourth branch of government and probably the most powerful of all four branches.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Yeah, only that's not the way it's supposed to be. So to see Scott Pruitt stepping up and trying to make some changes at the EPA to draw some of this back, to make it easier for businesses to operate, to take some of the burden off, it's all a good thing. It's a positive. It's a plus. Although... Leftist tree-huggers who don't understand the reality as opposed to the fake science narrative they've been handed will probably not see it that way. So expect that there will be issues taken, but I think this is one of the best moves made. Now, for those of you who want to know what secret science is, well, let me explain to you uh, right now. So the Environmental Protection Agency, Administrator Scott Pruitt, will soon, uh, presumably in the next couple of weeks, end his agency's use of secret science uh, for the purpose of crafting regulations. Uh, He was uh, quoted as saying that uh, we need to make sure their data and methodology are published as part of the record. Otherwise, it's not transparent. It's not objectively measured, and that's important. Okay. And he's got a great point. So what are we talking about with secret science? We're talking about when you take data, when you take papers and research that's been most likely paid for by uh, someone with an axe to grind, and they utilize whatever methodology they want. I mean I could sit here, and I could print you out a whatever number page report that you might possibly want on any topic that you want, and if you use that information… Then good for you if it is on a topic I'm actually knowledgeable about or if it's in a field that I actually took the time to collect the data and compare apples to apples instead of trying to make all kinds of wild and crazy uh, uh, connections that don't actually exist and we go from uh, comparing apples to, apples to apples to apples to oranges to apples to bananas apples to bowling balls to apples to a yacht you know when you're not making cohesive connections, as we see quite often with leftist arguments, then you have to question the merit of that science. So the secret science in this case is simply the question of, is it publicly available? Has it been made open to scrutiny by other scientists? Have you had a chance to check and see for yourself how legitimate is this science? Because unfortunately, we do live in the age of Fake science. But as long as they're using secret science, we don't know if it's good science or not. Maybe it is perfectly fine to be making, uh, to try and craft regulations and move forward with something that would be good for the environment. Although we need to make sure these regulations are. Being suggested to the legislature and letting the legislature pass laws and stop pretending like the EPA has full authority to just do this on their own, saying I just checked the constitution and this just in, they do not. We've been letting them, though, and as long as you let them, they're going to continue, even when you have folks working there who don't want it to. Because when they get there, they find there's a lot of resistance, and it's really hard to change that culture, especially in a hurry. That's why it's going to take a long time to drain the swamp. It's going to take more than Donald Trump to drain the swamp. It's going to take more than uh, Scott Pruitt to drain the swamp at the EPA. And you know the funny thing is the EPA is actually the folks who should be draining swamps. (laughs) At any rate, Pruitt Will actually be reversing a long standing EPA policy which allows regulators to rely on non public scientific data in crafting these rules. Now, such studies have been used to justify tens of billions of dollars worth of regulations, uh, or should I say, burdens on businesses and individuals. And in the process, adding those tens of billions of dollars to the cost of products when it comes to companies trying to bring a product to market to you, meaning it's costing you money. And it's dearly putting some businesses out of business. In some cases, it may be costing you not just the money for the extra expense, but it may be costing you money in the form of you losing a job. So at any rate… At this point, once this actually does change, the EPA regulators will only be allowed to consider scientific studies that make their data available for public scrutiny, as it should be. This should have been the way – they should have never been allowed to use secret science to make determinations uh, on policy. Because again, it may be good science. It may be junk science. It may be…  … brilliant, analytical mind, top of the field, or it may be Bill Nye the propaganda guy. If it's not made available, we don't know. And if they're the only ones who know and they're not telling, that also leads the mind – brings the mind the question of why won't you let us know? Why won't you let us scrutinize this data? What are you trying to hide? Do you know it's junk science? Then we go to these bad conclusions where we just assume it must be bad science. And in some cases, I'm sure it's perfectly good science, perfectly legitimate. And that might be the rarity under certain administrations, <laughs> but I'm sure on some occasions the secret science is probably still good science. But there's no reason for it to stay secret, and that's what this is about. And It's definitely a good move. So again… EPA regulators no longer allowed to consider scientific studies that make their uh, (laughs) – will only be allowed. They'll no longer be allowed to use scientific studies that don't make their data available. They can only use scientific studies that do make their data available for public scrutiny. Also, the uh, EPA-funded studies would need to make all their data public. That is another twist. So in other words – If the EPA itself is the ones who have bought and paid for the information, then all that information has to be made public before they act on it. And most importantly, you need to be informed that it was in fact them that bought and paid for it because what happens? We've we've had – I've had at least four different climate scientists on the show now. I don't like beating a dead horse. (laughs) And the whole climate argument that the man-caused climate change that used to be global warming, we all know it's pretty much crap. We are going through uh, climatic cycles that has more to do with solar activity than anything that any people, any large number, any large group of people are doing on the planet. That science is legit. It is stood up. We know that to be the case. We have had… A multitude of people come out, and like I said, I've had at least four climate scientists on this show go back and check the archives. I don't have any names right off because I wasn't realizing I was going to go down this path at the time I was talking about this. But all four of them made it quite clear that when certain groups paid for the research, they told them what the results they wanted, and they had two choices. Present the data that they actually extrapolated and run the risk of not getting paid or give them what they wanted and get paid. And unfortunately, most people, if you want cash, if you want grants, if you want funding for your research, then you take a hit here and there even if it's damaging to your reputation in order for you to continue your real work. That's what most scientists, especially academic scientists, do. I mean you can – you almost can't blame them. I would want these people to stand on principle and be the guardians and the bastards of the quest for knowledge. That's what scientists are supposed to be in my mind. Now, they may have a different idea. They may have a political uh, concept. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) folks, I was just checking back in the chat room with COG's talking about the uh, oil and coal. <laughs> uh, of course, he lives in Alaska, so he sees a lot of what happens in Alaska. But the point being here is that these secret signs, it needs to go. It needs to end. It's a bad practice, and I'm glad to see it coming to an end. Conservatives have long criticized the EPA for, for relying on scientific studies that publish their findings but not the underlying data. Democrats and environmental activists have challenged past attempts to bring transparency to the studies that were used in making these rules. Texas Republican Representative Lamar Smith pushed for legislation to end the use of what he calls secret science at the EPA. Scott Pruitt now has instituted another policy uh, back in 2017 that was backed by Smith against EPA-funded scientists serving on agency advisory boards. Scott Pruitt has not made a whole lot of waves. He's not made a whole lot of news. He's not made a whole lot of headlines… Because he's been very quietly under the radar trying to bring the EPA back to the role it was intended to have when it was created. Now, I, speaking as a constitutionalist, would prefer to see the EPA just go away. The federal government doesn't have the authority as far as I can see. I think you're stretching anything. If you try to uh, say that it does for the establishment of this particular uh, department, that's a good word for it, Uh, this department of the federal government, this bureaucracy of appointed people as opposed to elected. So there you have it, secret science. Kiss it goodbye. It's got to go. No more secret science. So now since we are kind of jam packed today and I've got some stuff to talk about, uh I've already hit the recap on the one story and I've already uh, touched a little bit on the other, but uh there's some stories in California. And then there's some uh other things I definitely need to make sure that I get to. But uh This one is the first one out of California. It's not the most important, but I do like the fact that it is a win for life. It's a win for life because the majority of the Supreme Court justices for the United States Supreme Court are in agreement about a certain California law. Now, they're not on the same page as to why it's troublesome or burdensome. But they are in agreement that it is troublesome and burdensome. Care to find out more? You've come to the right place. Yesterday, the justices of the Supreme Court sounded as if they were ready to shred the California law that requires pregnancy centers to notify women that the state offers subsidies for abortion. Now, first of all, no state should be offering subsidies for abortions. But the state of California does, and they've been requiring this information to be distributed. Now, that law was adopted back in California in 2015, and it forced the pregnancy centers to post a prominent notice if they had, quote, no licensed medical provider available. If the centers were licensed, they were forced to notify clients that the state offers Quote, free or low-cost contraception, parental care, and abortion. Now, it's real interesting that they wanted to make sure that you were aware that you're at a licensed facility, but we're still going to make you tell them that the state will take care of some of this stuff. Well, you don't have to pay this guy. We'll take care of this, send you over to a freebie that has to tell you about the subsidy. You weren't required to tell them about the subsidy for the abortion here, but you were basically forced to give an incentive for some of these patients, especially if they were low income, to go seek out this state information from a non-licensed facility. And when they went there, again, the subsidy for abortion would have to be made clear. So… As the Los Angeles Times reported, uh, this case, which is titled, in case you want to look it up, uh, NIFLA versus uh, Bursa, which is B-E-C-E-R-R-A, Bursa, Bursera. I'm not sure on the pronunciation here, but B-E-C-E-R-R-A, if you want to look it up. The NIFLA versus B-E-C-E-R-R-A. Okay, So uh, anyway, the case that's titled – the justices gave California law pretty much – well, they gave it a once-over and a what-for. Justice Elaine Cagle, referring to the fact that doctors and for-profit clinics were exempt from part of the law, said that, uh, quote, if it has been gerrymandered, that's a serious issue. Justice Samuel Alito uh, echoed that the law – has a lot of crazy exceptions. Uh, what if uh, you're left? <laughs> what you're left with is a very strange pattern. And gee, it turns out just about the only. With the Lucky
0: Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No proof is necessary. VoIP prohibited by law.
2: 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Clinics that are covered by this are pro-life clinics, which, again, means we're targeting the places that are going to be trying to encourage you to move towards a non-abortion uh, solution. We're not going to burden the places that are already pro-abortion. Hey, thumbs up, big guy. Go ahead and get that baby out of there now before it becomes a living, breathing human. Now we're not going to bother those people. We're going to bother the people that are going to be more inclined to say, you know what? Life is precious. Life is a gift. And even if you're not in a place right now where you can take care of this child... There are a lot of people out there that would love to adopt a baby. Nope, that solution is not on the table. They must be targeted. Anyway, Denny McKinney saw the laws violating uh, the laws of free speech, calling the required notice mandating speech that alters the content of the message. Justice uh, Gorich said that California has, quote, other means to provide messages. It's pretty unusual to force a private speaker to do that for you under the First Amendment. Now, uh, Michael Ferris, a lawyer for the centers, uh, said advertisements, including billboards, would have to offer the information in large print and in 13 languages. So guess who chimes in on that? Well, of all people, everybody's favorite leftist judge on the bench, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, Ginsburg turned to the lawyer for California and said, if you have to say that, those two sentences in 13 different languages, well, that can be very burdensome. So congratulations, uh Ginsburg got that right, too. This is obviously targeting. <laughs> if this was the NFL – well, let's, let's forget the NFL. We're not talking about the NFL. If this was uh, college football you – know, college football made a bigger deal with the targeting stuff this past year anyway uh, – somebody would be throwing a flag on this. Yeah. Anyway, the Times further reported that, quote, what would happen if an unlicensed center just had a billboard that said choose life? Would they have to make the disclosure? This was asked by Justice Kennedy. Uh, Ferris, the attorney for California, said, yes, Your Honor, it would. It would be 29 words in the same size font as Choose Life. Kennedy followed up. Yes, Ferris said, and in the number of languages required by that county. Which, by the way, the state law says 13, 13 different languages. So then Kennedy said that he had heard all he needed to hear, saying, quote, it seems to me that means that this is an undue burden and that should suffice to invalidate the statute." Anyway, the Politico reported that uh, California Deputy Solicitor General Joshua Klein acknowledged that the law might be unconstitutional in some applications. You follow that, right? Some applications. But he encouraged the justices to return the issue to the lower courts to address specific concerns involving certain plaintiffs. Well, that didn't sit particularly well with Justice Kennedy either, who then said, you want me to have a uh, remand – you want to have a remand to have them tell the court what a billboard is. Only Justice Stephen Byer defended the law. Uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor also agreed with those who found the law Problematic. So let me tip a hat to Sotomayor and to Ginsburg and to uh, all of uh, Kegel included, all of the uh, leftist judges who saw the problem. And let me ask Justice uh, Beyer, um, do you not understand your job? Because I know lots of times the leftist folks, especially certain justices I've already mentioned – Tend to get lost in the minutia of policy and activism over simply enforcing the Constitution. That is the sole purpose of the Supreme Court. That's why they have the justices there. But, you know, I, I'm going to give a hat tip to Ginsburg for being right on this. And again, you know, I pointed out. Some of these more left-leaning judges, their problem with the law wasn't about the abortion. It wasn't about the undue uh, problem. It all came down to uh, the uh, ridiculous level of burden that they would be placing on small organizations that were running on small margins and in some cases weren't even running for profit. See, we've got Kel joining us. I'm glad to have you here, Kel. Welcome to the show. Hope you'll check out the archives for the beginning of the show, and hope you can hang around for at least most of it. I know uh, most evenings you've got to bounce out of here pretty quickly, Uh, but uh, always glad to have you here, and hopefully a few more folks will be joining in. Uh, It's not very often on a Wednesday night that we don't have Mary in here by now, but I'm going to go on a limb and assume she's spending some family time. That is usually what keeps her out of here, and I hope that she will check it out, but uh, anyways, uh, momentarily checking on that. But uh, you know, again, what we have here, though, is for the Supreme Court to almost unanimously decide this California law is um, not acceptable. Well, it's a good thing, and it really is a win for life, life itself – the anti abortion forces, you know, the pro life forces, the people that are actually out there fighting every day for the sanctity of life, the people that are trying to save the lives of unborn children, they got a major victory in this because it's not often we score victories in the courts, especially at the federal level. This whole concept of putting, uh, A woman's control of her body, although she had plenty of control at the time she got uh, pregnant in the first place, that seems to be not the issue. Uh, Of course, I know there are exceptions to that. I'm not talking in those cases, but uh, obviously when it moves to a point that you're talking about the forced removal of a separate body, you're no longer talking about the woman's right to control her own body. People don't get that. They don't understand it. They they want to go off. Whoa, oh, whoa, well, what's this? That's why the lefts come up with this crazy macadoo, wackadoo bola about it's not really a person until it's born. Bull. Uh, mm, oh. I'm going to call some bovine excrement on that, or as a uh, close friend of mine often likes to refer to the same thing as el toro caca, uh, for our Spanish-speaking friends in the audience i just got to call BS there because that's exactly what that is. Excuse me. It is a person. It's a tiny human being. Once you have a heartbeat, once you have brain activity, I don't care what threshold you want to put on it. There is no question whatsoever as to what is developing in the womb, and that person has the same rights to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness as any other person. If you weren't prepared to have a child, you should have took steps not to have the child. Those are you normally easy enough to do. And under a certain, very minuscule set of circumstances where you were prohibited somehow legitimately from being able to enact something like that, in those cases, it's still a gift. Hm. And Kel in the chat room saying happy spring. Yeah, I would be enjoying spring except for the fact that uh, the weather in East Tennessee is often schizophrenic, but it's really off its meds right now. We are literally bouncing around between uh, 60, nearly uh, 70-degree weather to uh, 30-degree weather, and uh, we've been snowing uh, (laughs) since last night and snowed all day today. But because it had been so warm previously, none of its laying. It's just freaking cold, and it's snowing, and it's not even pretty snow. I mean every now and then it gets fluffy enough to be pretty. I don't mind watching a good pretty snow, and we haven't had a good snow this year. We've had a few snows. None of them were good snows. Uh, but it certainly doesn't feel like spring down here, and I know that sounds crazy uh, to be complaining given what a lot of folks are dealing with right now. And I don't really mean that to sound like a complaint, but i got to tell you. When the weather is as schizophrenic as it has been, it's this is the kind of stuff where it really hits on people's immune systems. Uh you know, ooh, seventy today, ooh, thirty six yeah, tomorrow. Ah, just cold enough that the roads will ice over and there will be accidents. But you don't get any of the snowmen or sledding or any cool stuff that goes with it. All right, I assume uh Mary is trying to get in uh we hit 30 once uh, since last September. <laughs> wow. Uh, so meanwhile in Alaska, it's uh, warmer than it has been most of it. The- now, and again, I'm not complaining too much because this has probably been the coldest winter uh, we've had here in East Tennessee uh, in five or six years. And we've really only had a few serious cold snaps. But what is really weird is that for the past two weeks, it has been a case of radical changes where we literally have two or three days where it is almost summer weather, and then we'll have four or five days where it is just (laughs) difficult difficult at best uh, to get out there and deal with. And it's just crazy back and forth, and it's just not good for folks for the weather to change to these extremes. Uh, Yesterday – Uh, On my way home from the office, I kid you not, we were transitioning from uh, where the day before had been in the high 60s, and coming home, uh, the the warmest it got was early that morning. But it stayed fairly warm uh, in the mid-50s for most of the day, but then once I was making my drive home, we had a 20-degree drop in less than 30 minutes. And it's just not often you get to feel that much of a cold shift in that short of a time. Normally, it's much more uh, gradual than that. But anyway, uh, really didn't need to talk about the weather. But hey, I mean, this is this is good news. Uh, again, back to the story. So, congratulations to the Supreme Court for getting something right. And speaking of something right uh, coming out of California, there was another great story, and I understand that it's starting to catch on too that uh, now it is uh, transpiring in more than just one location. So I wanted to go ahead and put these things out together because there is a town in Southern California that has now stood up to the state and says, we cannot uh, go along with your sanctuary state uh, BS. You want to pass regulations, you want to pass state laws, they still have to be constitutional. So – at any rate, the uh, Southern California Town Council essentially rebelled uh, Monday night, and they voted to reject the state's sanctuary law. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Had a slight distraction for a second. Uh, the uh, Los Alamos Council mm-hmm. voted four to one to opt out of the state law that limits – Cooperation between local police and federal immigration agents. The law, of course, that was signed by Governor Jerry Brown just last year and became effective on January 1st, which includes prohibiting state and local police agencies from informing federal authorities in cases when illegal immigrants facing deportation are released from detention. The town adopted an ordinance... Uh, … which claims that the new state law, quote, may be, and I like how they say maybe because they're still trying to be diplomatic with their friends uh, down in Sacramento, desperately trying to be diplomatic, but they still took a stand. So, so they said, and I quote, maybe in direct conflict with federal laws and the Constitution. The council, therefore –… finds that it is impossible to honor our oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States if they do not opt out of this sanctuary law. Now, the vote caused diverse reactions among over 150 people participating in the council meeting, uh, a council meeting with just five council members. But 150 people there, so hey, I'm glad to see that the folks are turning out for local politics. At any rate gentleman who was there to support the motion uh, by the name of Arthur uh, Schapel, Schaper said, quote, they are asserting their right to ensure the constitution, well, the constitutional remains the main law of the land. Now, I'm not sure why he put it that way. That may be a typo too. But they are asserting their right to ensure the constitutional remains the main law. Pretty sure that meant just the Constitution remains the main law of the land. But anyway, uh, meanwhile, Monty Cohen and... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Immigrant from Israel uh, said that he came to the United States legally and that everyone should follow this path too. He became a legal resident after marrying his American wife and said, quote, the law is the law and has to be enforced all over the country. The country is a law and order country, and you have to come here legally. Others, upset that the council in California chose to decide whether to ignore state laws aimed at protecting illegals, showed up to protest about causing a temporary delay. Very temporary. Uh, they went ahead and passed it. So uh, anyway, a uh, Joanne – Said that uh, what we don't understand, what we fear, we kill. And that's what we're doing. We're killing the spirit of this nation, which is American. All right. I would love to have heard more from this obvious brain. I mean, just a brilliant force. Just. disseminating the facts so clearly what we don't understand what we fear we kill i'm pretty sure joanne does not sound anything like that <laughs> but then again i don't know i can't make assumptions i just because they claim to be a joanne doesn't mean that that's their gender choice you know i don't know anything about joanne's gender identity joanne might sound even more masculine than that for all i know I am pretty sure, though, there's not too many folks in California that talk like this. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. So I certainly don't mean to insult anybody, but uh, I kind of mean to insult uh, Joanne a little bit, though. How on earth are you killing the American spirit by actually saying we're embracing the Constitution? I would love an explanation for that. Anybody in the chat room got any ideas, make an argument on that? I would love to hear an argument. How? How on earth is embracing the Constitution killing the American spirits? What we fear, what we don't understand. Well, you know what? It's easy to understand the Constitution, Joanne. It's actually pretty clearly written. It does not require much more than a fifth-grade education in most states. Assuming you don't have a common core fifth grade education, it is pretty easy to read it and comprehend. And contrary to what a lot of leftists would have you believe, it's not necessary to interpret very much of what's written there. Because the majority of it is clearly written and was intended by the language of the day to not require interpretation. Which is why the left takes every opportunity that they can get. They, they take le- legitimately what they know to be bogus legal arguments and try to attack the Second Amendment. In order t- to maintain a uh, militia, who was in the militia, boys and girls at that time? They said, see, this wasn't about. Uh, everyday citizens This was about the military No Who was the militia The militia was the everyday citizens The militia was Anybody over the age of 18 Who had their own gun And they didn't even necessarily Have to be male They preferred be male Because we were still a very misogynistic society At the time We had this strange idea That it was the job of the men To go out and do the killing And the getting dead and the job of the women to stay home and make sure that the children lived up so that uh, the men's children could grow up and then go do the killing and getting dead. It's it terribly, terribly uh, simplistic in its nature. I, but women served as well. But who was the militia at the time? It was the everyday citizen. And – Let us not ignore the fact that when you make the statement, in order to maintain, said militia, is a preamble. It is not the amendment itself. It is the description and explanation of why this amendment is being put in place. The idea here is that there will always be the capability of the citizen. Now this is me interpreting for the left who obviously thinks interpretation is necessary – and this is a fairly accurate interpretation, based on discussions I've had with every constitutional expert that I've ever spoken to. I tend to, I tend to believe that they couldn't all be wrong, especially since they said things that I wanted to hear. <laughs> that seems to be the benchmark today, right? Why are people still watching CNN? Why are people still watching MSNBC? Well, some of us watch for the entertainment value. It's fun to watch them have their little mental breakdowns. They just melted down live on air, and we got to see it, although I never watched them myself. But other than that entertainment value, most people are watching the news that they want to watch because they want to have their own opinions uh, verified. There's no mistake about that, and it's clear, and it's easy, and it's okay to a degree. But you still have to be prepared to accept things that don't fit neatly into your view of what you want it to be. That's where outliers like myself come in. I get to interject that daily dose of something that maybe you didn't want to hear. Hopefully most of the time I do it in a way that's at least entertaining to you so you don't hate me at the end of the day. <laughs> but yeah, it's not like it's… Difficult. The Constitution is simple. The Constitution is, well, it's a little boring. It's a little dry. It's not like uh, it's not like uh, David Hardy's book here that I'm still working on uh, where I haven't had much time, but I'm from the government, and I'm here to kill you. And if you missed that show, guys, uh, please go back in the, the archives. I think you'll enjoy that conversation. I know uh, Kel, who's hanging out in the chat room, said that uh, he was a great guest, so… I'm going to go on a limb there and assume that meant that she enjoyed it. Uh, I know most of you guys – I know COG. I'm pretty sure you were here by then as well, and I know Mary was here. I think Mary had some good comments. So it's... At any rate, the point being, blah, 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 let's get back to the main story. There are cities in California that are standing up now, that's a good thing. So two good pieces of news involving California. Possibility. Possibility of the return of common sense to California. There's, there's a flicker. There's a small flame. We need to do everything we can, boys and girls, to try and protect that flame. We need to do everything we can to try and protect city councils that are probably going to face retribution from Sacramento now, so you know they're going to want to punish these people. No, they're going to want to try to make an example of it in case other cities get the same idea because what Sacramento and San Francisco and Los Angeles and Oakland, what they know all too well is that while they have the urban areas and they have large numbers of folks living there, that once you get outside of their sprawl, there are a lot of conservatives that make up the rest of the state. It's just not as densely populated. They don't have the numbers to overturn the votes, to take the Democrats out. But again, these individual cities that are outside of that sprawl, the leftist sprawl, if enough cities turn their back on it, then they become basically a moot point anyway… You only have to worry about it at the urban centers then. You only have to go to Sacramento and bring the FBI or whoever you're going to have uh, place these elected officials under arrest for violating federal law. Not that they're actually going to do that. I wish they would. I've said that several times at this point, probably to the point that you guys who are regulars, you know, all you guys in the chat room there, probably heard me say that to the point that you wish I would just shut up about it. So said, Tim, you know it's not happening. Would you stop? Move on to the next story. Okay. <laughs> I will. But just for you guys, the fact that I was going to anyway. Uh, let me get a couple of stories in here real quick. Well, you know… Before I get to the Canada stories, you know, Kel's in here, so I can do the Canada stories. Uh, I've only got a few minutes before it's time to do the Edwards notebook and the uh, Songs and Stories uh, for Soldiers uh, clip. So let me just do this uh, quick hit. I mean by now, yeah, you know, I don't spend a lot of time talking about stories that I know you're hearing everywhere else anymore. I, I used to join in with them just as much, and some of this stuff still going to get it if it really makes a, a, a connection with me that i have stuff I have to get off my chest, but I've gotten to where if I know it's a story that's getting overkill everywhere, I tend to kind of just – I'll mention it at most and leave it at that. And I have not mentioned the uh, Austin bombing suspect blowing himself up today. I'm not going to mention his name, although (laughs) his name is in the tags uh, for the show. So if you search the tag, my show will pop up among some other stuff, and you know it's just that level. I'm not going to help this guy become famous if that's what he's doing because right now we still don't know what his motivations were. We've heard some speculation, and people are starting to put a little more information out and a little more information out. For the people in Austin, Texas, I'm going to say something that I know several folks have already heard before at this point. According to local law enforcement, there was twenty four hours unaccounted for that this suspect could have been getting more of his bombs out and on their way to locations. So you know, I, I don't even know that it's safe to assume that he did everything else. if he did anything else would only be contained. Uh, To the Austin area, just because that's where the majority of what he's done to this point was doesn't necessarily mean that that's where it would stay. So in a lot of ways, a lot of people should probably still remain very vigilant and understand that there is still potential danger from this individual out there despite the fact that he has now blown himself up. Also keep in mind that although they were pretty sure that he was operating on his own, they don't know for sure. So, even if in this twenty four hours unaccounted he didn't uh, send out any more bombs, they still don't know that necessarily that that would be the end of it either. So stay vigilant, and I know this is a real unpopular thing right now because the left is lecturing us. you know, they control the court of public opinion. We're told over and over again that it's not enough anymore, but I'm going to say it anyway. For myself, and I'm going to go on a limb and assume that the majority of the folks, at least the ones that are in the chat room, but I know most of the people that are, that listen to the show on a regular basis, you have our thoughts and our prayers. For anyone who's been affected in this negative fashion and by this guy, whatever his motives were, our thoughts and prayers to the uh, victims and the folks who have to live in the aftermath of this… And with that, I guess it's time for Ron Edwards. I'll be right back after these uh, two clips. Thanks for staying with me.
2: It's nowhere near Christmas time, but leftist university librarians are claiming that if you say Merry Christmas or Happy Resurrection Day, that is a form of aggression against Muslims. Hello, I'm. Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. Since college librarians in Massachusetts are on the warpath against Christianity and have decided that saying Happy Resurrection Day or Merry Christmas around Muslims is oppressive and Islamophobic, (laughs) I find it rather disturbing that sovereign citizens born in the United States, a nation founded on Christian principles and not long ago still promoted Judeo-Christian ethics, now it's called oppression by simply wishing someone a Merry Christmas or Happy Resurrection Day. It is most unfortunate that those librarians and leftists in general get their underwear all knotted up over Merry Christmas or Happy Resurrection Day. But when it comes to the real abuses that Muslims wage against Christians all over the planet, they remain steadfastly silent and show little regard for the day-to-day whittling away of Christian virtues, which has opened the proverbial door to countless abuses against children, women, the unborn Christians, and men in general. Wake up, America, and happy Resurrection Day. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America.
3: This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Have you tried to figure out what veterans' benefits you are eligible for but just get frustrated? Well, here's a service from the VA that might help you. Here's your veterans' tip of the day. Go to va.gov and search for Benefits Navigator. Follow the instructions to build your own confidential and secure profile. This program will help you find out which benefits you and, very important, what benefits your family members might qualify for. This has been your veterans' tip of the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am back, and thanks for staying with me uh, through that little bit of a break. Uh, Not a lot of a break, but a little bit of a break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. I definitely want to bend Kelsier in particular with this next little bit. Two stories uh, from Canada, Uh, Both of them I'm sure that she will certainly find interesting. And then if we have enough time, there's a couple more stories I'd like to get to, but we'll we'll get through this. Uh, We'll start with – this next one, uh, having to do with illegal immigration, seems to also continue to be a theme for some of today's stuff. Only we're talking about Canada now. See, it seems that like Canada is having a really tough time with the illegal immigration, as I'm sure Kel will be happy to tell you. You remember back when Justin Trudeau, you know, the shiny pony, tweeted hashtag welcome to Canada it seems like now, at least according to certain government agencies, that he didn't really mean it. Well, I think he meant it. It's just there are other folks in the government that wished he hadn't said it, and they certainly don't. So for the last 14 months, after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, a.k.a. the Shiny Pony, tweeted that Canada would willingly accept the tired, the poor, and the huddled masses yearning to breathe free – why does that sound so familiar? Justin, quit stealing stuff from our Statue of Liberty, please. Anyway, but then he blocked uh, from fleeing to the United States uh, you, by the Trump administration. Uh, Canada has seen a, a record influx of illegal immigrants, and they're starting to realize why the U.S. is considering closing off its borders. According to Rutgers uh, – Reuters – Uh, Let me try that again. According to Reuters, you know, the news agency, not the university, uh, Canada's refugee system is now, quote, in turmoil as more than 20,000 illegal immigrants have jumped the U.S. border into Canada, including thousands of Haitians and Nigerians and hundreds of Turks and Syrians and uh, various other groups, some of which may actually be looking to commit acts of jihad. I'm just throwing that out, of course. Um, Anyway, these folks, the Haitians, the Nigerians, the Turks, the Syrians, all these people are trying to avoid having to navigate the Donald Trump immigration system. Uh, You know, we were talking about self-deportations before. A lot of these folks didn't want to go back to where they came from, though, so they started making their way to Canada. And we talked a little bit about this in the past, like – they're not allowed to go through the main checkpoint, but they go over uh, <laughs> a few hundred yards away from the checkpoint and illegally cross where they're not supposed to. And uh, the mounted police will actually help them with their luggage to get on up the hillside and across the creek. This has actually been happening and has continued to. seems as though the – as far as immigration organizations, for lack of a better term… Uh, In Canada, just simply wasn't prepared. Again, according to Reuters, uh, they have always had a steady flow of immigrants. But up until these last 14 months, Canada's had the luxury of being extremely selective in which refugees they take. Their system for processing immigrants is difficult to navigate. It can take years to push through the required paperwork, and border jumpers seeking asylum must have something of value to offer Canada just to be considered for permanent residency. You know, common sense immigration kind of things. Again, take Justin Trudeau, a.k.a. the shiny pony, out of the equation – and go to a return to common sense, and much like here in the United States, if Canada would only enforce its existing laws, it would solve the problems. Anyway, now the Canadian Border Patrol is begging for more money, and Canada has allocated an additional $150 million to step up security at most of its border crossings. They've also had to hire additional security screeners and personnel due to background checks on refugee applications. You know, out of fear that quickly processing immigrants could mean terrorists or other undesirables might slip through the cracks. You mean kind of like when Donald Trump wanted to put a travel restriction, not a travel ban, everybody wanted to call it a travel ban. travel restrictions in place in order to revamp our own system to verify and just check these immigrants. Hmm. I wonder why that sounded so familiar, but anyway, it kind of looks like Trudeau's uh, Twitter is coming back to haunt him. Uh, you remember when the shiny pony posted to Twitter to those fleeing persecution, terror, and war. Canadians will welcome you, regardless of your faith. Diversity is our strength. Hashtag welcome to Canada. Yes, yes, indeed. It's nice when you just open up your borders, isn't it? Now, I'm going to have to refresh the chat room because obviously – I haven't been getting updated here in a little bit, so I'm refreshing real quick. I'm certain a certain uh, fiery redhead has something to talk about, Uh, and so I wanted to share some of the stuff that she'd be saying. So uh, anyway, diversity is our strength. He's a tool. Uh, Justin had a a bit of a change of heart, uh, but you have to do it legally. (laughs) uh third safe uh country agreement needs a bit of an overhaul methinks, and uh my prediction, Trudeau will grant amnesty to the uh migrants later this year, and I think you're all those predictions are probably dead on, but uh along with that story and again, I report this I take no pleasure in it uh it's it's sad you know again, and of course. You know, Cal, and usually Gary's in here. He hasn't been in here very much here lately. I'm assuming he's either found another show or has something going on or what have you. And if that's the case, fine. Uh, Hopefully, he'll have an opportunity or two to join us later. I take no pleasure in it, though, and you guys know this. I, I try to keep everyone here informed as far as what's going on in Canada as best I can, because I know what's going on in Europe and what's going on in Canada is going to affect things that are going on here in the United States. We need to be mindful about what's going on up there, and they are having the same kind of problems with leftist loons, uh, the shiny pony in this case, uh, that we've had when uh, Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama was occupying our White House. When the leftists get a foothold, it's very hard to notice the out. This is it's very dangerous. And when they start opening up borders, and this acceptance, this idea of multiculturalism is probably one of the most dangerous ideas that exist on the planet. Because ultimately, there is no way within the boundaries of a single nation for multiple cultures to be equal. You have to have a cultural identity as a nation. And… what will happen over time is one culture will become dominant over others. The strength of the United States was our diversity. It's no longer our strength because we unfortunately have allowed ourselves to become so divided… We are divided to a a ridiculous level. There's a reason why we were once referred to as a melting pot. We took what was best about everything from around the world. We dumped off the parts that weren't uh, so good, and we tried to create something better, something that had never been seen before. That's the greatness of America. That's the greatness of the spirit of America. That's the greatness of the American people. Sadly… Race uh, baiters and leftist warmongers and all these people that are trying to destroy the Constitution, trying to destroy liberty, trying to destroy harmony within communities, and they don't even – Most of them don't even know that that's the goal. They don't know that's the agenda. They're told we're fighting for equality. We're told we're fighting for fairness. They're told we're fighting for the downtrodden. We're fighting for the oppressed. When all you're doing is fighting to destroy the fabric of the nation, you're being played. You're being allowed to be a useful idiot. You're being used to destroy the very bonds that once made America great. Now, it's not too late to fix things. It's not. Maybe I'm being a little overly optimistic, but I believe that. It's not too late to fix things. And as evidence, I show you story number two from Canada, this one involving the shiny pony too. In fact, this from the Daily Wire, um, soy boy fail. Trudeau's approval ratings sink below that of Donald Trump. He's got about a 40% approval. So anyway, the soy boy Canadian prime minister, Justin Trudeau, who prides himself on being the wokest of woke world leaders, has slipped below President Donald Trump in his approval ratings. According to polling from uh, Agnes Reed. Agnes Reed, I think – Agnes Reed. I'm sorry – I I need to have my reading glasses on, evidently. Uh, Agnes Reid, only 40% of Canadians approve of Trudeau, while 56% disapprove. And I have a feeling that as we get closer and closer to election time, and I know Kel has her fingers crossed, that that number is only going to get bigger on the disapproval end. Now, you compare those numbers, however, to President Trump who stands at 47% approval, according to Rasmussen, and 43% approval, according to the NBC poll. Either way, the Donald is above the soy boy. Even better news has Trudeau's opposition, the Canadian Conservative Party, arising in the polls. Again, Agnes Reid stated that if an election were held today, the Conservatives would take the majority in the Canadian Parliament. Now, I certainly hope so. But after chastising a woman for saying mankind, advising her to use the woke-approved term people kind instead, Trudeau took a major uh, hit to his public image, uh, not only in Canada but around the world, even amongst the other woke people. And then after his, well, disastrous trip to uh, India…  … which we talked about his outfit and the absolute disdain that he seemed to have. uh, It's such a mockery. I love how the people on the left will accuse people like you and me for being guilty of cultural appropriations if we decide to have a taco. (laughs) Excuse me while I cough up my lung here. Uh, the idea of having a taco at this hour uh, doesn't sit well. I love tacos, but I can't eat them at this hour. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, If we have a taco, we're guilty of a cultural appropriations. But Justin Trudeau can go to India and put on uh, the garb of the area and act as if he's one of them, and somehow that's complimentary. Even when he does it to the point that he's become a caricature and Several people there actually said, hey, dude, uh, you're over the top here. Back off. So Trudeau's eight-day India expedition uh, has been an absolute fiasco. Hours before meeting with Prime Minister uh, Modi, his journey hit a dead end with the Canadian High Commissioner invited uh, a sheik extremist named uh, Jaspal Atwal who has been convicted of attempted murder and was previously affiliated with a terrorist group, invited Atwa to a dinner to honor Trudeau in Delhi. Now, Atwa was found guilty of trying to kill an Indian minister in 1986. He was also blamed for an assault uh, of the uh, former premier of British Columbia. So by the time Ottawa's invitation was rescinded Trudeau called it unfortunate now that's right up there with Trump's blunder and it was a blunder uh, of calling Vladimir Putin and congratulating him on his victory in the election <clears throat> the russian election it was probably about as legitimate as barack obama's second uh, election Certainly as legitimate as Hillary Clinton's uh, primary election uh, to get the Democratic nomination from Barry Sanders. You don't call and congratulate a a dictator for winning an election when you know it's pompous. and It's a misstep. It's a blunder. Trump should not have done it. Now, should they be making as big of a deal about it? I don't really think so, but I will concede. Bad Trump, okay? <laughs> bad, bad Trump. Come on, President Trump. You should know better. But that is absolutely on par with Trudeau's comment about <coughs> – excuse me – about how al uh invitation was unfortunate. So he seems much more convinced of his own rock star status. Than, well, than just about anybody else ever was. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and see if we can get some more uh, comments from Kel here and interjected. In fact, see here, uh, his stupid India vacation disguised as a trade deal trip garnered 2% approval. Uh, people kind, and she's rolling around laughing. Uh, Trudeau tried to blame India. India was pissed off, even raised the tariffs from 40 to 60 (laughs) percent on (coughs) chickpeas. And and all that's good. (sighs) Oh, and uh, she was actually talking about Gary here. I mentioned Gary not uh, being in the show very often. Uh, says that thinks he's got his uh, counter jihad coffee group up again, and so he's co-organizing some rallies. Oh, well, I mean, that's great. I just miss him being in the chat room, Kel. I, I don't mind him having other pursuits. <laughs> I see we have another guest trying to sign in. Uh, good luck, uh, guest who's joined us in the chat room. Uh, <laughs> you can get signed in soon. But anyway, those are the two – Nice little stories that I happen to come across just today involving canada and and they both involve Justin Trudeau, the Shiny Pony is possibly the worst thing to happen to Canada in the last decade, and he's a scary kind of guy because he's doing a lot of the things that Barack Hussein Ali Obama would have loved to have done here had he not uh had the confines of the Constitution. And at least some threat that one of the other branches would actually do their co-government responsibility and call him out on something. <clears throat> I will let him know. I will. okay. Kel's <laughs> uh, be in touch with Gary. Yeah, and uh, and that's fine. Uh, again, uh, like I said, just miss him being in the chat room, and I hope everything's well. But uh, life is good, and if he's out there fighting the good fight, I do not want to get in the way of that, not by any means. The archives are there for a reason, and I hope he's having an opportunity to listen in after the fact uh, if that's the case. But you know, if he's out there doing the uh, counter-jihad coffee groups, more power to him. That's way more important than spending the time sitting here listening to me, <laughs> more important by a long shot. So I, I definitely – Give the uh, <clears throat> hat tip and say, uh, keep at it. So anyway, those are the Canadian stories. And uh, I uh, I really – I continue to find it interesting that uh, you we'll know, just to sit back and watch some of the things that he's doing and then try to compare exactly what – what would have been the turnout? What would have been the results if there was more uh, freedom allowed to Barack Obama? Would he have? How much further would he have gone? <clears throat> See, I don't know. Uh, another big story came across, and this one I think has some irony to it. This one you will not find in today's show description because. I've actually managed to get to everything I put in the show description. I'm trying to keep it moving and keep it fast-paced tonight for some reason. But uh, for some reason, because I, there's a lot of stuff. I very rarely get to everything I want to, most times, I'm going to see if I can get there. But uh, here's an interesting question. It seems as if Israel finally has an opportunity to get a seat on the UN Security Council. However… It seems there's some contention for the seat. Someone else wants that seat. Israel getting on the Security Council actually probably should be rubber-stamped at this point because essentially there was a promise made about 20 years ago. But of all the countries to be trying to block them, Germany is trying to fight to get that seat. Now, if you were to try a guessing game where the premise was, tell me which European country decided it would renege on a deal its colleagues agreed to, whereby Israel would finally get a chance to sit on the UN Security Council after spending decades being the only country in the United Nations that was ineligible, well, you probably would think that after wiping out six million Jews, Germany would not be that country. But if you thought that, you'd be wrong. The U.N. Ambassador Richard Holbrook finally succeeded in the 1990s in getting a group of Western countries including the U.S., Australia, Canada, and European countries west of the Berlin Wall, to admit Israel to their little group, as the countries in the Middle East shut Israel out of their bloc. So Israel agreed to wait 20 years to be eligible for a seat on the Security Council. In return, the group assured Israel that in 2019, Israel and Belgium would run uncontested for the two open 2019-2020 seats. But then in 2016, Germany announced that it would also run for a seat, despite the fact that it had sat on the council in 2011 and 2012. Uh, With the uh, June election nearing... Germany and Belgium have been pursuing the seats openly as they uh, court U.N. ambassadors from key voting countries, while Israel has to uh, concentrate on its efforts behind the scenes. But last week, President Trump's nominee to uh, serve as U.S. ambassador to Germany, Richard uh, Garnell, Strongly supported the right of Israel to finally get a seat on the council after over seventy years of isolation, uh, saying via Twitter, and I hate that so much of this comes via Twitter. I really do i I just hate Twitter. I still use it sparingly. I can't make myself care enough about it, but I hate it, and I hate that so much of this happens on there. but uh, Mr. Cornell said, via Twitter, Democrats and Republicans should come together. And fulfill Richard Holbrooke's plan to see Israel join the Security Council in 2019. Our word is our bond. And uh, rally uh, WEOG members, the election is in June. It isn't too late. What is Germany doing? See, I don't know. But Germany isn't likely to withdraw. So, unless Belgium yields, Israel's hopes for UN respect seem, well, seem kind of doomed, at least for the moment, and maybe for the foreseeable future. See, diplomats have been telling uh, folks that Israel violates too many Security Council resolutions to be a member. As in the one passed during the last weeks of the Barack Obama presidency, which marked Jewish holy sites as occupied Palestinian territory, for example. According to a report uh, that was released last week by the UN uh, experts, they uh, quote found Germany violated a council ban on sparkling wines, uh, exporting. One hundred and fifty-one thousand eight hundred and forty dollars worth of bubbly, to other uh, oh, and other luxury goods to Kim Jong Un's cronies. Or how about, as the Jerusalem Post <clears throat> reported, uh, German companies exporting to Iran banned materials that were later used in chemical attacks in Syria. See, Germany has not exactly been playing by the world. I mean Angela Merkel is dangerous to the German people. But this effort by Germany to essentially block Israel from getting – well, getting their due, getting their turn on the Security Council, it's all more anti-Israel UN crap. It's – I get the feeling that this is actually being orchestrated by something else behind the scenes, and I say something else because I think it's more than one person. I think it's some kind of group, maybe even just George Soros and his minions, but it just feels like there's something else behind it. Is there a certain prestige in being on the Security Council? Sure. Is there a reason why as a nation you want to be there? Sure, especially if you know there might be resolutions headed your way. The UN is a useless body at this point. If I was Israel, I wouldn't really care. If the US, and I hope – President Trump is listening, if the U.S. decided to stop paying its dues and withdraw its membership and decide to tell them to uh, start running a building somewhere else, and I'm sure they would either end up in Canada because Justin Trudeau would want them or somewhere in Western Europe close to the Eastern uh, Europe boundary… But if we just kicked them out and we withdrew and we ignored them, they would fall apart in a matter of weeks because we've been propping them up for how long? And the saddest part is the UN is a great idea in concept. In theory, it's a wonderful idea, just like a utopian society. In theory, is a wonderful idea. In theory… If everyone would always do the best that they could do, and you didn't have to worry about corruption and didn't have to worry about laziness and didn't have to worry about, well, dishonesty, then the world would be a better place all the way around. We wouldn't even need courts. We wouldn't need jails. But that's not the life that we have here. That's not the world that we're living in. Corruption exists. Dishonesty exists. Laziness exists. People can be manipulated. Shoot, uh, even really smart people can be manipulated. It depends on who's doing the manipulating. At the end of the day, though, the UN is pretty much useless, but if you've made a promise… You should keep it. They made this plan. They put this plan in uh, play, and they gave a guarantee that Belgium and Israel would be running unopposed. Germany was part of that agreement. So why now? What is this? I mean it's – on the one hand, I get angry thinking about it because Germany should know better. And of all the nations, of all the nations on the planet, Germany should be the last to try to interfere with the advancement of Israel. Now the German people, they don't like being reminded of that particular nasty, dark chapter in their history, and I don't blame them. I don't like the fact that Andrew Jackson marched Cherokee Indians from North Carolina out to Oklahoma. I don't like the fact that uh, there are several dark chapters where the United States ends up with a bloody eye a bloody nose or or a black eye because we have to face up to the reality of what we did. Slavery was horrific. The treatment of the uh, Native Americans, uh, the American Indians, whatever your nomenclature you want to use, horrific. But we still own the fact that we did that, and we have to because if we don't keep that in the front of our minds, if we don't remember that we've made those mistakes, then we will make those mistakes again. I'm afraid that's what we see happening all throughout Europe right now, uh, Eastern and Western Europe. We're seeing the same mistakes repeat. We're seeing the same mistakes in Russia repeat. We're seeing the places where, where statues have been torn down, where history has been erased, where people have been allowed enough time to forget what they have been through. And a new generation who's never been exposed to it is willing to jump headlong into it. We're seeing that happen. So we have Germany right now standing in the way of Israel being granted the fulfillment of a promise that they were a part of. And you have the remainder of the United Nations who are heavily anti Semitic and who are heavily anti Israeli undoubtedly. Standing up and applauding the fact that Germany is doing this. You make this promise, you should honor the promise, and it's it's time. If you want them to continue to be a member nation, you need to offer them the same respect that you would any other nation. Unfortunately, we are at a point in time where the United Nations will put third world dictators at a higher level than uh, democratic leaders. You go to Israel, and Arabs that are actually living in Israel, who are working and living and having a existence within the borders of the nation, they like Israel. They like the Israelis. They love being a citizen of the nation because there is jobs, there is opportunity, and there is equality. But then you have outsider activists that just want to destroy, outsider activists that can't stand the idea that there is a nation that is not built on the hate of Islam that is thriving in the Middle East. They want to destroy Israel the same way they want to destroy the United States, the same way they've been working hard to destroy Canada, the same way they've been working hard to destroy England, the same way they've been working hard to destroy the nations of every freedom-loving people on the globe because it's that freedom that's dangerous. The idea that people can believe that they have the right and the capability of running their own lives and being responsible for themselves, that's dangerous to these people. They want you to believe that you must be led. They want you to believe that you must count on them. Only the state can protect you, only the state can provide for you. Be a little worker drone. For the state, do what we tell you, take the jobs we assign you. And if you fail to fall into the peg, if you challenge that authority, then you're dangerous. Is there anything more dangerous than leftist ideology? Some people will say, oh, what about Islam? Well, Islam, tell me how Islam isn't leftist ideology. It is. It's part and parcel. A lot of the leftist playbook is taken directly from the teachings of Muhammad. Even Adolf Hitler used Islam as a way to garner power and authority around parts of the world where he didn't have enough strength in his own armies. During the darkest days of the Ottoman Empire, they sided with the Nazis. They were right there. The agendas were similar. They both believed in a master race. They may not have necessarily agreed on who it was, but a lot of the ideas were there. And leftists are right there today. It's It's dangerous. And then people wonder why I sit back and talk about culture war stories, and it's just still the same fight. In the name of diversity, a Catholic university has scrapped a women's conference because it was too white. Can't be very diverse. It's a women's conference. It's a Catholic university. A Catholic university in Minnesota canceled an annual Women's conference because <clears throat> the qualified women chosen blindly—I mean, they randomly chose these women to speak at the event—ended up being too white and thus not reflecting. Real, reflecting uh, enunciation is important on the radio. I really just to get a <laughs> broadcast out where I don't have to say that, and thus not reflecting the proper diversity values of the school so they randomly chose qualified speakers for a women's conference and then when they looked at who they had chosen they canceled the event. This had been an ongoing annual event. They canceled it. They didn't try to change up the lineup. They didn't make an effort to see if they could add some more people to it since they had already invited these folks, you know, expand and broaden and actually be diverse. No. They just canceled. This doesn't represent our diversity, values. So we're talking about St. Catherine's University's Leadership Imperative Conference. It was set to be held on January 19th, which is why this is kind of odd that this is just coming out, but somebody discovered the dark truth and decided it was time to air it out. So it was originally scheduled to be held back on January 19th, uh, almost three months ago now, well, actually about two months ago Uh, keep thinking you can't count January at this point. Anyway, so about two months ago, so uh, there was supposed to be about 30 prominent women ready to speak at the event. The speakers who were picked through a blind call were chosen solely based on their fit with the themes of the conference. Now, at least that's what you would – be led to believe based on an email from the school's associate uh, um, head the conference was hyped by the university as quote the event of the year for professional women in the twin cities you won't want to miss out according to the university's uh, site and it boasted about the conference saying space is limited last year the event sold out quickly well, there's some general marketing tricks there, okay? But when the speakers submitted their photos and their bios, well, let's just say that everything changed. The group of qualified women, and let's not forget qualified belongs in front of uh, the word women in every case. The group of qualified women chosen for the event were just too white for St. Catherine. So the conference was canceled in December, according to the Star uh, Tribune, which was just reporting it just this past week, which is weird. So in other words, the women were discriminated against based on their skin color. That's what I'm getting. Uh, Am I wrong? Hello. We had no idea what color you were, but now that we know you're white, since we've seen your pictures for our promotional material – we're just going to say no thank you to everyone, even if some of you have already made plans to attend. So anyway, St. Catherine's University President Becky Roloff sent a campus email on December 8th announcing the cancellation, which, of course, saddened many souls. may <laughs> brought a tear to my eye. But in the email... She said, quote, we did not set a goal to secure a diverse panel of presenters. Because of this, the racial and ethnic diversity of women in leadership positions was not reflected in the conference, adding her sincere apology for injuries caused. But she's offering this sincere apology to the people who are receiving this campus-wide email. … who at this point couldn't possibly have been injured because they would not have known. They didn't know there was a problem with the women's conference that some of them probably were looking forward to until after it was already canceled. And they didn't know it was canceled, so they sent out this email. So exactly what injuries caused are you sincerely apologizing for, Ms. Roloff? I really would like to know because, again, this is one of those moments where I don't see it. Now, in a separate email to chosen speakers, the uh, associate uh, provost, uh, Joanne Bangs, confirmed that the cancellation of the event had nothing to do with the chosen women's qualifications. Rather, their racial and ethnic makeup. Uh, Saying, quote, the end result does not reflect a diverse St. Kate's community. While well-intentioned, it is the case where a blind process has led to a racial and ethnic blind outcome. The university says that 34% of its undergraduates are multicultural students. Okay, now I'm going to call BS again because, again, the word multicultural does not fit the definition here. What you mean to say, Miss I am educated enough that I'm helping to run a university in the United States, is that 34% of your undergraduate students would fall under what we typically would refer to as a minority group here in the States. I will also take umbrage with your statement that's, wow, well intended it's a case of a blind process having led to a blind outcome. Because the outcome is you canceled the event. The outcome is that you opened your eyes to this blind process and decided in your woke experience, maybe Justin Trudeau helped you with it, I'm so woke and I'm a rock star. You decided that rather than make additions, and how hard would that have been, by the way? You didn't – maybe you send some letters to some of these folks and say, you know what? We're sorry. We overbooked. I mean I know you'd be lying, but it wouldn't be the first time someone in this position has lied. Maybe you keep all 30 and still add some more on. Get some additional space. It's a college university. I'm pretty sure if you needed additional space, it wouldn't be that hard to come up with. Maybe some scheduling issues would have been somewhat problematic, but I'm pretty sure that if you really tried, after all, I'm certain you're a bunch of very smart ladies running this college. I'm certain you could have figured out some kind of accommodation to add some more diversity to this uh, this meeting, this event. So it wasn't a blind outcome. That's the whole point. Once you saw, you weren't blind anymore, and you had to take action. So according to campus reform, the university said, quote, the yield does not reflect the diverse St. Kate's community of today nor the world of tomorrow we are committed to creating. The diversity cancellation did not go unnoticed, however. Uh, center of the American Experiment, President John hendricker blasted the racially motivated move saying, quote, this is the kind of absurdity you get when you uh, prioritize skin color over merits. Speakers, too, were a bit confused, and many of them were unhappy, understandably so. Uh, Karen uh, Fragonito said, quote, I was disappointed that it was canceled because I was excited to be a part of it. When I submit something to a conference as a speaker, I have the understanding that they're going to choose me on what I'm going to present and the value of that to their audience. I'm not expecting that they're going to choose me on the basis of the color of my skin. Yeah, I, I say that out loud and I hear, I, I literally hear Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, … starting his I Have a Dream speech. We really have gotten to the point where these social justice warriors have lost their mind. The very fact that a social justice warrior exists demonstrates that they've lost their mind. But anyway, former St. Catherine University associate dean and chosen presenter uh, Jeannie Bailey said that she was very surprised and disappointed over the cancellation, saying, quote, I'm still puzzled by it. After receiving adequate backlash over the cancellation, the university issued a statement last week, and I guess this is why it's back in the news, saying, quote, we did not feel the list of speakers adequately represented the St. Kate's community or fulfilled the objective of lifting up the voices of all women. While this was a tough decision, we believe it was an important one. Well, you can bet your bitty that it was an important one (laughs) because it showed exactly how racist you are. It showed exactly the fact that you do not care about the merit of work. It shows that you do not care about the actual struggle because, again, like I said… I'm hearing Martin Luther King Jr. in the background here. I'm hearing he wanted his children to grow up in a country that would judge them based on the content of their character. When you are presenting, when you're wanting to lift the voices of all women, first of all, you need to understand that you're never going to be able to lift the voices of all women. Not all women want to be listed. It's you, buddy. I evidently, Kel, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, uh, you know, it still is. If they're presenting, if you're looking at what they've offered you, and you know that these are the people, they're qualified, then you offer it. You bring them to the table. If you are really that dedicated to offering up some more level of diversity, then bring in some more people. Expand it. Ask a couple of the folks to give shorter presentations. Now, I'd, For some of us, that would be difficult. If you ask me to give a presentation and then you turn around and ask me to give a shorter one, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> and you know what? I would do my best, and there you go. Most of these people would have been willing to work with you. Make a little additional room for them. Make some extra space and have a secondary spot where this event is going on so that you can have even more people present. Do something. Here's a novel idea. Here's a novel idea. If you're really dedicated to diversity, the one thing that I didn't hear mentioned during any of this is Why wasn't there a man or two there? Because guess what? There are a lot of men in this country that would love to see women lifted up and doing well. Now, If you're a third-wave feminist, you probably don't believe that. If you're a reasonable, rational woman that has healthy relationships, (laughs) then you probably already know that to be true. So in either case, I shouldn't have to say it. But real diversity actually means diversity, and in a university setting, I would think that diversity of thought would be far more important than diversity of ethnic background. I would think that diversity of thought would be more important than diversity of skin color. If you want women to be lifted up, if you want women to grasp onto the idea that yes you too can be a leader you too can be a leader in the business world you can be a leader in your community you can be a leader in the political realm if you want women to grasp onto that idea the inspiration needs to come from a genuine place and you can't force that by forcing some kind of misguided affirmative action to your events At some point, common sense has to kick in, doesn't it?
2: The answer is
3: no, and I'm very sad. After I get off the air, usually I feel much better after I get off the show, but since this seems to be where I'm coming close to an end on today's program, I'm probably going to be sad, and I'm going to – I'm probably going to cry off air because you know, I'll never let you see me do it. But I probably will shed a tear when I think of the fact that, as much as I would like to think that eventually, even the most challenged of minds will eventually be nudged into the realm of common sense, I know that's just not the case. Otherwise, there's no explanation for Nancy Pelosi, no explanation for Maxine Waters. Not very many explanations for Diane Feinstein, but at least Diane Feinstein isn't a complete and total loon. She's a hypocritical leftist democratic uh office holder, but she's not a complete and total loon. There's a reason why I stayed with women there, too, because, you know, we're talking about the women's conference. <laughs> so <coughs> excuse me, dang. Well, these days I'm actually going to get past this cough once and for all, and boy, that is going to be a great day for this show. Now, if I wasn't so worried about the diversity conference here, I would also include fantastic names like Chuck Schumer and Harry, 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 Harry. Didn't mention the shooting in Maryland, uh, the high school shooting. Not enough time to do it justice now, and there's some other stuff that goes along with that. I – with a few minutes left, we'll try and get a little upbeat though, so let's talk about that just a little bit. Um, It is a shame that we are still living in a time where some people feel the best way to take care of their problems is to try and shoot someone. It is also shameful for those of us who enjoy our gun rights that these events keep taking place at schools, which of course leads to a larger debate to protect the children. But at the end of the day, you're not going to hear as much about this one. They're going to hope it goes away quickly, and why? Because once again, what we've been saying about the best – Easiest, surest, fastest way to stop a bad guy with a gun? Well, we proved it once again. It happens to be a good guy with a gun. Every time they argue against having more guns in these places, when it actually happens, it's proven that that's the way to stop it. As tragic as the shooting is, and this, this one young lady is in very serious condition, I, I have not heard an update. I So honestly, I hope at this point that she has not taken a turn for the worst. I I, I don't know at this point, so please forgive me if, if things have changed for the worst. I'm hoping for the best, but she was obviously in critical condition last I heard. And it is a tragedy for her, and it is also just as tragic that, that the young man who got shot and injured uh, had to face this. But it is a glorious day in so much as this would have had a much, much more tragic ending had the resource officer not stepped up. (laughs) COG is telling me that – one of the other hosts and one of the other shows is on right after me, and uh, they'll be happy to dry my tears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I just – thanks for watching out, COG. I appreciate it. But uh, the, again, the, the good news is that this tragedy could have been far worse and would have been far worse. And so naturally, they don't want to talk about it, not much. They want this to go away, and they want it to go away quickly. And so it probably will, just like I am probably the only person that you're going to hear mention the name Charlie Gard from this point forward. Maybe somebody else will, and at some point maybe there will be – a. An anniversary pop-up where folks will talk about Charlie and what happened to him, but uh, I'm going to continue to mention Charlie Gard on a fairly regular basis. I'm not going to go into a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to do exactly what I'm doing right now and just do a name drop. Seems a good opportunity. So anyway, the uh, Maryland shooting, it's, it's both a sad thing and it's a good thing at the same time. I just wish these folks would go somewhere other than a school. <laughs> Anyway, Elmer is uh, riven me about my tears, so I guess that's about as good a place to close out as any. I want to thank all you guys for being here tonight. I, I definitely appreciate it. For those of you, for those of you who uh, joined late, I uh, hope you have an opportunity to check out the archives and get uh, to the early parts of the show. Cog was here fairly early, uh, so he got to hear talked about the secret science. But I uh, did have a follow-up on the story about the young man who got kicked out of the uh, Christian theology class. He's going back into class, so I'll just throw that out again real quick. And uh, again, there is this study, I'm going will try and sneak this in, study on racism the New York Times was running about. I haven't had a chance to read through all of it, but I already can tell you the parts I have read. I disagree with the New York Times issue, so we will talk about that on Sunday. Uh, After I've had a chance to finish there. So, again, uh, COG, Mary, and uh, whoever the guest is who wasn't able to get signed in, thank you all. For those of you that are listening after the fact, uh, those of you who are out there getting this in podcast form later on, thank you very much as well. I appreciate you guys being here very much. I also want to thank uh, Matt Gibbons for allowing me to use this great uh, music. Please check out PatriotMusic.com sometime, and remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to do your own research, do a little bit of work, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it for me tonight everybody. Have a great rest of your week and I hope you guys are looking forward to Resurrection Sunday as much as I am and I will be here. <laughs> uh what do we do a little uh in honor of this uh, schizophrenic weather here in East Tennessee. The mm-hmm. rain is coming Matt Fitzgibbons this is close out. And again, thank you guys. Love you and I am out. Good night everybody.
1: A thousand years since we had real fears, but the old ones won't forget. These broken levee walls had a few close calls, but they haven't fallen yet, and you know the rain. Sun beats down and it fakes the ground, and you watch the rich land die. Such a vicious drought, even hopes in doubt. But there are no clouds in the sky, but you know the rain coming. Storm on you When you feel the first drop fall When it kisses your skin The storm will begin To bring with its promise of change When you hear the thunder roll, The lightning's begun The flood will come To wash out the things that remain